A vision without execution is just a dream. Welcome to Transformative Experts with Chris Elias. Like the show title says, Chris speaks with transformative experts and business leaders who share their successes, failures, and leadership tips that will help you transform your business into a success story. Now, here's your host, Chris Elias. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Transformative Experts. I have with me today, I, I have really got a great guest today. She's a best-selling author. She's a speaker, well-known speaker out there on the circuit, and she's a, a success coach. Um, and she's going to speak on, on a topic of transformation. And this is Transformative Experts, so who else better to talk about transformation than Kathleen L. Good morning, Kathleen. How are you? I'm great, thank you. How are you? Good, good. You know, I, I, I haven't led on, obviously, to your story, but story is everything on who we are. And um, you have a really interesting story. I think one that, that, that people would, would, would really like to hear. So I'm just going to just open it right up to you and, and, and let's just start with you sharing your story. Sure. Thank you, Chris. Um, so I, I'd like to say that I have a full pie. Some of it's sour, some of, it, some of it's sweet. It's like a rhubarb pie. Um, my story started out as a young child in an abusive alcoholic um, family that had uh, several forms of abuse, whether it was physical, emotional, or sexual. And then I can fast forward into an amazing life of being a politician, a, a lobbyist, a successful business owner to where my life shattered. And that was when my son took his life in 2010, when he uh, wrote a note asking for me to not attend his service um, because he was angry at me. And so it was his, his um, transition that actually transformed my life once more um, and who, which has created this amazing connection that I have with him today. Uh, living a fulfilled, joyous, loving life that I am being um, of service in a way that I get to serve others uh, through the trauma that I've experienced. So today I get to help others that have experienced sudden unexpected loss. And, you know, so, so obviously the unexpected loss, um, when you and I talked before, we talked about marriages and I mean, you, you really struggled with a lot of adverse situations throughout your life. I mean, how, how did you survive it? I mean, I, I'm not sure how else to ask that question, but this has been really heavy stuff. Yeah, it is really heavy, Chris. And I agree. And, um, you mentioned, you mentioned the marriages that, um, I, joke and say that I'm a serial marrier, you know, where I was up until, you know, four years ago. Um, and uh, I believe that all of the challenges that I moved through as a child, as a teenager, you know, I was bullied. I've been through a divorce I've uh, or two. <laughs> um, and all of those experiences gave me the strength. Today, I can look back and say, that really gave me the strength to be able to to still exist and live on this earth today with my son taking his life the way he did. I was a single parent. Um, he has a sister. And what kept me on this earth was a sister. And yet I was lying on his grave, you know, three or four months after his, his transition and just was begging, screaming, pleading, please, whoever, whatever took my son, take me too. I can't do this anymore. You know, it felt like the Empire State Building had blown up on my back and it felt like my heart was in a vice grip that could, every move I made, I continued to feel like I was going deeper and deeper into the quicksand that I couldn't breathe, I couldn't move. And it was at that moment that I had this clear voice out of nowhere saying, if this happened in your life, then you're meant to do something with it. Now do it. So that gave me the strength to get up and, and do again, to push through, to help others, and to give me the strength to um, help others understand what suicide is, understand the signs of suicide so I could help others prevent it. Yeah, it's you know, as a parent myself, this is like the greatest fear, right? Mm. Is that, that, that something would happen to your child and, and especially, you know, them making that, that particular decision. Um, you, you know, 
I guess, you know, a couple of things I want to explore is, you know, this term that you've used transition a couple of times. I want to understand that a little bit better because you're, you're kind of offering a bit of a different perspective than the traditional on suicide, but also trying to understand what are some of the signs and signs of trauma and how, how we might see it, not just in our kids, but in, in, in others. So, so, you know, can, can you maybe explain some of that to us? Sure, absolutely. So um, there are many ways that people deal with trauma. Oftentimes it's masking, it's overworking, it's overexercising, it is the excessive of anything, um, whether it's an excessive chronic pain. And we hold our pain in our body when we don't move through it. Our, our emotions are, are stuck there. And if you don't move through it, those are some of the signs. Some of the signs that are often missed, especially with teenagers, um, is that they're isolating themselves. Their behavior shifts quickly and drastically. They start to hang out with different people. They start to not hang out with anyone. They start to isolate themselves. Um, And their mood shifts. Now their mood could shift to being depressed or their mood could shift to being anxious. Um, And then they start to talk about suicide. They start to saying, start saying things like, I don't even know why I'm here. I don't even know why I'm living. There, there are different signs in that way for, for just being aware, just being aware of people's um, vocabulary. And now that's not just teenagers. You know, the fastest growing population of suicide is middle-aged men. Um, And that is oftentimes because of divorce and because they're not going to see their children because of financial challenges. So you see people's um, behavior change. And, And how we can respond is to not avoid it. A lot of people don't dare to speak while someone's a little off, they're a little snappy at work. They're like, I don't know what's wrong with them, but I'm going to leave them alone today. How about shifting that attitude from I'm going to leave them alone to just going up to them saying, hey, listen, you seem like you've been off the last couple of days, the last couple of weeks. Is there something going on that we can that you want to talk about? So they, they, they have the idea that someone is listening, someone is paying attention, that they do matter, that their life does matter, that, that, that their, their behavior is seen. And so just having the conversation with someone is really important. The other piece is um, don't offer advice. Sit and listen. You know, allow them to speak what's happening. And when they're speaking, truly listen. And when they're done speaking, repeat back to them what you thought you heard. So you can just say, so I, what I think I heard you say is this, is that you're not feeling so well today. You're wondering why you're even here, that you're under a lot of stress. What is it that I can do to help you? You matter. And um, some of the other, other things, if you notice, and they have talked about suicide, talking about suicide and asking someone if they have considered taking their life does not cause suicide. It actually prevents suicide. So that's another myth around suicide is um, if you ask someone if they have thought about taking their life, um, that it's going to cause them to do that. That is not the case at all. You're actually preventing it because if they've thought about it, It gives them the opportunity to say, yes, I actually have thought about it. If they say yes, the second follow-up question to that would be, do you have a plan? And if they say yes, then do not leave them alone. Call 911. Call a family member. Make sure that the next step is actually the crisis step. So what if they say no? So, So yes, they've thought about it, but no, they don't have a plan. So how can we work with you on that? If you've thought about suicide, have you thought about going to get counseling? Have you thought about energy healing? Have you thought about um, reaching out to someone so you can talk about, talk this through because you're not alone. I love you. I care enough about you to want to help you. So what are our next steps that we can help you with? So, you know, obviously within a family environment, you know, this kind of recognition is high, but um, you know, let me, I'm going to ask the tough question, sure. you know, for your son to have gone down that path and obviously to have left the message that he had, there was something that you missed along the way back then. And, and we, you know, we need to talk about self-awareness and self-absorption, those kind of things. But, but I mean, you know, where were you at in your life and how did you miss the signs? Uh, I was, um, I don't know that I missed the signs. I just couldn't do anything more about the signs. 
um, there were his dad lived um, 1500 miles away and I was a single parent um, and no excuses there are many times that especially with broken families everyone thinks that they're doing the best they can with for their children Sometimes there's mixed messages and um, it makes them even more confused. There were times that we attempted to work with Logan um, and offer different opportunities for him and offer different solutions for him and the solutions didn't work. And I got to the point where Logan was masking his, his pain and um, oftentimes we don't see those signs. I will say that oftentimes Friends don't see it because they're they're the happy they're the happy gregarious um, playful kind of most caring loving people. You know, Logan was sweet. He was funny. He was kind. He didn't want people to know that he was hurting. Matter of fact, he was the one. Just like Robin Williams, he was the one that made other people laugh because he is in so much pain internally that he didn't want anybody else to feel that way. So he he would. He would come home and he would make sandwiches for the community <laughs> after school. Um, and he was just, he was such a giving, giving boy. And he would start masking his, his pain. And so masking his pain with marijuana, with pot, whatever you want to call it today. So would that have been a change of behavior you should have, you should have keyed in on at the time? Or, or I mean, so you mentioned changes of behaviors. and Yeah. Yeah, and it was a behavior that I keyed in on, and he yeah. didn't like my solutions to the, the to the behavior, and so because he didn't like my solutions to the behavior, he chose to not speak with me. Okay. And after a while, there are there are, you know that's this is the important thing that I want everyone to know, and so you as the listener, if you are struggling right now with someone who is struggling. You can only do so much. You're doing the best that you can with what you know. Reach out to other people to get assistance, and it is not your fault if someone chooses to take their life. You can, you can only do what you know with what you know. You can do, do your best. And if you're making decisions out of love, out of care, out of... Uh, this is the key is often we we to make decisions in that environment, especially when it's our children out of fear. Like what if, what if, what if, and then ultimately it does happen. And so there's a lot of self blame, a lot of self shame. There's a tremendous amount of um, guilt. And for me, I had so much guilt and so much shame that I couldn't even go to the local grocery store for weeks afterwards, uh, actually closer to months, because I was so ashamed if I could not save my son. You know, I was a public figure. I was a successful businesswoman. I, I was known in the community as I can get things done. And I couldn't save my son. And so I had such shame and such self-blame that I could actually go back there today and relive it just by talking about it. And I know today that I did the absolute best that I could, and so did his dad, and so did his grandparents, and so did his friends, and his friends' families. And, you know, we all did the best we could with what we knew. And it was a decision that Logan made that has impacted hundreds of thousands and it's going to be millions of people because his decision ultimately helped me open up enough to where I can speak out and prevent it for others. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, you know, it's a very sound advice. And if, if you're living that situation, you know, sometimes you, you just can't hear the sound advice. Uh, you know, mm. I mean, uh, how you, so I, so I can see where, where to say, don't blame yourself is very, very good sound advice, but how do you really help somebody who's who's living that situation who cannot help but blame themselves or wonder what happened or or the, or the why the why question? Well, there's the why question will always be, especially when it comes to suicide. I I can't I will not be able to take that away for you. You will always question why um, and what if if only, and you can choose to stay stuck in the pain and die with your loved one. And living the death here on earth every single step of the way. Or you can choose to honor yourself and your loved one to start stepping into your healing journey one hour at a time. 
and start focusing on what you can make a difference with versus what you can't. And for me, the, the grief prescription is what I share with everyone. It's the three B's. At the very beginning, all you can do is be in the moment because if you think too far out into the future, you create stories that you have no control over and you create stories that more than likely aren't true because it's based on how you're feeling today, not how you're feeling a year from now. So be in the moment, breathe, um, take deep breaths. It's the four squared breathing, um, four by four by four by four. Breathe into the count of four, out to the count, uh, hold it, breathe out to the count of four and hold it again. And um, believe, believe that you're not alone. Believe you can make it through this. Believe that your loved one is with you and his, their physical being is not here but their spirit is all around us. So when you release the pain, you can feel more connected by moving through your healing journey one hour at a time, one minute at a time, whatever it takes for you. Yes, yes. Well, excellent stuff. And, you know, I, I hate to, to pause right here. We, we do need to take a break, but when we come back, we'll continue our conversation. We'll be right back, everyone. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. True results happen where culture meets execution. The Execution Culture, co-written by our host, Chris Elias, is designed to make your company smarter, faster, and stronger by sharing real-world advice on culture, leadership, and execution. It's time to transform your business with the help of The Execution Culture. The book is available now on Amazon. Click the link on the show page. Is your company or team struggling to achieve the results you would like? Optimize your life, your team, and your organization through clarity, purpose, and action. At Mexicute, we have over 100 years of combined experience leading organizations and coaching individuals to achieve their vision. We design a customized approach to ensure successful execution and optimize your results. Connect better. Grow better. For a free consultation with Chris Elias, visit nexecutegroup.com. That's N-E-X-E-C-U-T-E group.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. This is Transformative Experts with Chris Elias. If you have a question or a comment about the show, please send an email to listener at transformativeexperts.com. Now, back to Transformative Experts. And we are back with Kathleen L. So, Kathleen, um, I, I actually want to go a little bit to your work experience. I mean, you know, you, you shared certainly a lot of trauma in your life. I mean, you know, we, we kind of went through things quickly and, and, you know, growing up, certainly you went through a lot of trauma and yet you overcame that. You didn't take your life. I mean, you overcame that and, and focused on, um, on, on moving yourself forward. You did have a lot of success in, in politics and, and as, a, as an executive of a company is is a leader of a company, uh, you know. I'd love to hear some more more details about that, and let's talk a little bit about some of the level of awareness that a leader should have with their people. Yeah, um, Chris, that's a great uh, segue into um, actually becoming a, a strong leader. Just because I was a leader didn't mean I was a strong leader, and um, I didn't overcome anything. I pushed through it. And anytime someone, so I think this is an example of how leaders can grow. By the time I got done leading in, in the executive position and moved into my own business, I was a good leader. But it took some time, some shifting to move through some of that leadership. And um, I was, I believe that there was always something more to life than what I experienced as a child. So I was a person that was going to prove to everyone else that I could do more than what they ever thought I could do and more, you know, like 10 times more than what I even thought I could do. And so I pushed and I learned and I invested into saying, okay, I am going to move forward. I am going to be a leader. I am, and when I became a legislator, um, I didn't even have a college education, nor did I um, know which party I was going to run 
um, until I actually explored the the political uh, background. And then I decided to run. My point with that is lots of times we mask our background by doing, 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 and then we become not aggressive, but assertive. And um, our, our behavior comes out in our leadership in the way, that whether we've worked through our challenges or we're pushing through our challenges. And so a strong leader, from my perspective, is someone who has been able to say, okay, I've been through a lot, I've done, I've done well, and I'm still not happy. I'm still not, I'm, I'm, I'm striving to do more because I'm trying to prove to everyone else that I'm worth, I'm worth being loved, I'm worth being seen. In fact, it's really yourself who's trying to prove to yourself that you're worth it. So the investment of putting into yourself um, it, through healing through whatever you're hiding, whatever you don't want to deal with, is how you're going to show up as a leader. Now, if you choose not to um, deal with what's going on inside, you oftentimes end up with a body d- disease. You end up with a heart attack, um, anxiety, depression. Um, you're overworked. Um, you're um, there, there are a number of ways of you're aggressive. You're not very well liked as a leader. Um, there are many, many ways that you show up. Gotcha. And so, so really think about it, and, and especially today. So, you know, if you're listening to this as a recording later, we're, we're, we're having this conversation, right? Kind of in the middle of the, the COVID crisis, if you will. And, and people mm-hmm. are, are, feeling and experiencing different levels of, of trauma. And, and, you know, we don't often talk about mental illness, right? That's kind of, that can, especially in the workplace, that can be a taboo topic. Mm-hmm. And yet, um, you know, there are lots of different forms of, of mental illness, some of them mild on the mild end of depression, some of them kind of much more um, intrusive and, and um, problematic. But, you know, a, a, as, a, as a leader in trying to ensure that your team is, um performing at its best, how do you, how do you recognize those signs, you know, and, 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 and what, what, what should you be doing about it? How do you help people through that? Well, pay attention to your people. I mean, there's not one person who hasn't gone through a sudden change in the world because of COVID, you know, our, our world basically shut down for a period of time. So there's, um, people are operating in fear right now. Most people are operating in fear fear of safety, fear of the Maslow hierarchy of, of self-needs. You know, your, your physical needs are being met, your uh, emotional needs are being met, your family is safe. There are things that, that are being, your, your, um, your, your base, your foundation is being shook, truly being shook, if not crumbling right now underneath our feet. And so it's how you respond to all of that. Is, is what matters. And I keep saying that. But so responding to crisis with fear and anxiety only causes more crisis, fear and anxiety. And so some of the things that I do is it goes right back to the grief prescription that I mentioned earlier is the be, breathe and believe. Those are simple things that cost you absolutely nothing, but will save your ability to stay healthy. Like the breathing exercise I mentioned brings you back into your ground and brings you back into the center of your being. It grounds you and it also circulates your, your oxygen so it keeps you healthy. So you're actually breathing deeply because we're all breathing. It's just how are we breathing? Oftentimes we're holding our breath. We're clenching our mouth. We're, clen- we're snapping at our coworkers. Um, none of that helps. Go out into the nature. There's things that I share with, with everyone that I speak with. They're easy. They're, they don't cost you a thing. It's really, how do you want to live your life? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's funny. You mentioned the oxygen point. And I mean, you know, sometimes people can listen to this and especially, you know, the, the friends of mine that are, let's say more on the scientific side of things. And they're like, well, mm-hmm. what's the science? What's the science? Well, look, if you're not getting oxygen or oxygen flow, your brain is not working as well as it should. It, it's, it's really just, it is that simple. It is, it is really, truly that simple. And there is all kinds of science out there that talks about how 
how our energy shows up in, in a room is how you affect other people. Oh, you're wow. not only affecting you, you're affecting others. You think about when you walk into a boardroom and there's a happy leader there that that's joyous and inclusive and and fun to work with. How many people walk in and are smiling and all right, let's get down to business. Let's let's figure out how we're going to make this work. Let's be collaborative. And then you turn it around and think about a boss that you had that was exclusive, secretive, um, angry, uh, assertive, and you think, oh, God, i got to go to this meeting, and I don't dare to speak up because who knows if I'll be fired tomorrow or if I'm going to get yelled out yeah. in front of everyone. You know, like, it is really important as a leader – to be aware of how you're showing up in the room. Yeah, you know, uh, one of my one of my favorite books, Fierce Conversations, from Susan Scott. Um, you know, she she shares a number of principles of of a leader when it comes to mm-hmm. to, to really developing. And it's really it's a leadership book. It's, it sounds like a communicate, but it's really a leadership book. And I'll, I'll never forget the one is be aware of your emotional wake. And and I love that term emotional wake because as leaders we, we set the example we set the bar I mean and we do leave a wake behind us I have certainly been around leaders and I'm sure most of our our um, listeners have that have really kind of really brought a negative attitude or created negative or or continually create a negative atmosphere just by how they act versus the ones that are very, very positive. And uh, one time I, somebody coined the term, I, I wish I could remember where it came from, but I, it was a term I've never forgotten. I love energy vampire. You know, yeah, those, those people yeah. that, that, that just suck the energy out of the room. And I think about the character Debbie Downer from Saturday Night Live and some of these others. And, 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 you know, it really is this kind of this thing, this contagious thing that occurs with negative energy. And, you know, mm-hmm. it, it happens with positive as well. But but how many leaders are really self-aware of what they're bringing to the table? Yeah, and I don't believe that they are aware. They just are caught up in their own fear and their own uh, desire to stay safe. Now, um, fear is the biggest driver. It's either fear or gratitude. You're really you're, you're in one or the other. You can't be in both. At the same time, you can be in both at different times, but you can't be in both at the same time. And so when people are operating out of fear, their archetypes come out. So whatever they're carrying, they're hiding, they don't even know that they're carrying within their body, their response is coming out into the world. And so what I like to talk to people about is, you know, especially during COVID is if we can look at other people we can say they're being a vampire with our energy, but we're the ones who have control over our energy. We control on how we're going to respond to people in the world. So Jack Canfield teaches the E plus R equals O formula. Yeah, yeah. It's it's what I knew before I even knew that was a formula. You know, that's how I responded to Logan. It's Logan's um, transition. And um, it's there are events in our world There's events plus response equals your outcome. The only thing that you have any control over in that formula is your response. There are events you have no control over that happen. How do you want to live your life? What what is your outcome? How do you want your outcome to be? How do you want to live your life? Do you want to be miserable? Do you want someone else's energy to suck you dry? No. So what is your response going to be? I could choose to you know, continued the pattern of (laughs) looking for accepted exception on the outside, or I could choose to say, okay, something's happening here. There's been a pattern. There's something wrong. I, it's me. The common denominator is me. So what do I need to do to explore that I haven't explored yet? And so if we're able to look at people as if they're a, a child, a wounded child. It doesn't matter who it is. You can look at your boss. You can look at the president. You can look at the presidential candidates. You can look at whoever you want. And if you're able to look at someone who just really turns your stomach as a wounded child, do you feel like you could have a little more compassion for a wounded child? That doesn't mean you agree with them and what's occurring with their actions. But does it give you an ability? What does that feel like for you? Like it really, what I teach people is really about go within. And if your response to something makes you feel worse, 
I don't think it's the response that you want to take. Yeah. There's, you need to shift your response and how you shift your response is part of the, the healing part of the moving through what you don't even know that's there or part of re- dissolving and recreating um, a story that truly they're just stories. What we tell ourselves are just stories based on our past, not on what could be. Yeah, it's it's it, there's so much in in what you just said, and and you know uh, what keeps coming back to me is the those that that aren't aware, right? Those that are unconscious and aren't aware, and and it seems like the, that there has to be a decision up front to to become aware, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, you don't you don't just all of a sudden, you know, well, you know, become aware. I mean, you have to see the signs, you know, people may, you know, you have to be willing to hear the feedback that, that, that maybe you're not aware of it. Or if you're a listener and you're listening to this and you're, and, and you're making the conscious decision, boy, you know what, maybe I should take a look at myself and, and ask the tough mm-hmm. questions. So in that path to becoming aware, right. And, 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 and I've, I've done a lot of reading on this and they say that self-awareness is the first step to transformation. Um, you know, if somebody is making that choice, how do you do it? I mean, you know, what, what, what's the first step? Because it's not like you can just turn on this awareness thing and all of a sudden recognize. I mean, I, I still, just ask my wife, I still have behaviors that I'm not aware of that, 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 that pop up from time to time, right? How, how do you take that first step? Well, it's a journey, just like, just like life. It is a journey. So let's just, for you, the listener, know that where you are today is not where you're going to be a year from now, nor is it going to be where you're going to be 10 years from now. If you decide to start to step into that journey. And the first thing I share with people is start with a gratitude list every single morning before you get out of bed. I call it the gratitude challenge. You know, I've talked on multiple radio shows on, on it's 10 things you can do before you get out of bed and it takes three minutes. Have a journal or have a pad of paper um, beside your bed with a pen, turn the light on and write 10 things you're grateful for before you get out of bed every single day for 30 days and see how it shifts your behavior. I worked with a, um, a uh, first responder who uh, was deployed three different times, had PTSD, was um, truly beside himself and just really stuck in that negative spiral in, in the the, the the fear mode and I worked with him and I started him off with the gratitude challenge and by the time we were done he had gone through post-traumatic stress therapy he'd done some rim sessions which is a healing modality that I work with and he's like oh my gosh you changed my life just by waking up and being grateful just because what's the first thing that you do when you wake up? You think, oh, God, now i got to get out of bed. What's on my phone? What's my emails? I mean, what's the traffic going to be like? Oh, shoot, I spilled my coffee. You know, someone just cut me off. It's all the downward spiral irritants that we get stuck in. And we can choose moment to moment how we respond. And when we respond in a negative way, we can also choose to say, oh, there we go. Instead of judging ourselves for how we chose to do it, we can say, oh, what a great reminder. I just was aware that I am going to celebrate that I was aware that I was being a jerk. <laughs> oh, that's really great. You know, uh, time flies. We're already yeah. up on our next break. So um, I, I want to keep exploring this part of it a little bit more as we come back. And, and, and let's not forget, I also want to, um, to, to touch on your book because a lot of people are getting a lot of benefit from it. So everyone stay tuned. We will be back in just a minute with Kathleen and uh, consider, continue this uh, great conversation. Be right back. America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. Is your company or team struggling to achieve the results you would like? Optimize your life, your team, and your organization through clarity, purpose, and action. At Mexicute, we have over 100 years of combined experience meeting organizations and coaching individuals to achieve their vision. We design a customized approach to ensure successful execution and optimize your results. Connect better. Grow better. 
For a free consultation with Chris Elias, visit nexecutegroup.com. That's N-E-X-E-C-U-T-E group.com. True results happen where culture meets execution. The Execution Culture, co-written by our host, Chris Elias, is designed to make your company smarter, faster, and stronger by sharing real-world advice on culture, leadership, and execution. It's time to transform your business with the help of the Execution Culture. The book is available now on Amazon. Click the link on the show page. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. This is Transformative Experts with Chris Elias. If you have a question or a comment about the show, please send an email to listener at transformativeexperts.com. Now, back to Transformative Experts. And we're back one last time with Kathleen L. Kathleen, okay, so, uh, you know, you were telling that, the, you were telling some of the, the, the stories about, you know, uh, kind of the, getting to that point of self-awareness. And, and what it reminded me of is, is there was a leader that from about, uh, I'm going to say 10 years ago, a uh, company I was working with. And, you know, when we started working with him, he was really struggling with his team not being honest, not being open with him. You know, he'd read mm-hmm. Patrick Lencioni's Five Dysfunctions of a Team and was really trying to work on trust, but there wasn't any trust. And a lot of it led to the behaviors he was exhibiting. I mean, you know, he, he really wasn't treating people very, very well. And and his intent was to be a better leader. And so, you know, it coached him to open the door up and, and, and ask the team to you know, point out when they see these behaviors. And of course, nobody wanted to because the trust wasn't really there. But it does take a fair amount of vulnerability. And, and for somebody who makes that decision, you know, we talk about that, that first step, that choice, and, you know, certainly the gratitude piece. But there is this, this, this part about, you know, how do you spot the bad behaviors and, and utilizing maybe your team to get you there? Have, have you experienced any of that or coached anybody on that? And, you know, what's, what's kind of been the, the response and, and what's worked and what hasn't to helping people get to, to kind of knowing when people are recognizing the problem? Yeah, so one of the things I like to say, Chris, is oftentimes we speak something and our body language is very different than what we speak. Our energy comes across a very, very different. And what we speak, someone else is hearing it from their brain, not their from filter. what you're saying. Yeah. Their filter. It's their filter. And so one of the easiest things you can do that, again, costs you nothing, is to repeat what you think you heard them say. And so, or to um, ask, so if, I, if I'm correct, what I hear you saying is this. And if they say no, then okay, so explain to me again what you mean and maybe in a different way because I am not understanding you clearly because this is what I heard you say. And they're like, how'd you get that? <laughs> so, so beyond the communication though, I, I want to touch more about what people are feeling in the experience because, because mm. you know, again, business, we don't want yeah. to talk about feelings, right? And all this stuff, but, yeah. but trust comes from what I experience from you, what I feel from you. Do mm. I trust okay. that, that, okay, if you're my boss or my peer, do I trust that if I say something to you or address an issue with you about your team or about your, you or a behavior, do I trust that you're going to accept that or hear it? Um, do I trust that that'll help make change or you know, am I just going to be, you know, kind of addressing this with somebody who's just deaf to it or worse yet may come back at me and, 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 and can it get ugly? And so in which case I'm going to hold back. I mean, that transformation really comes from that openness, that vulnerability. Right. And you just had a whole ton of stuff in that just one sentence there, Chris. So I'm going to try to address it the best I can in a very short period of time. And it is really not about someone else's behavior. It's really, it's your values and how you want to feel in your life. And if you're choosing to compromise your values to assure that you have a paycheck and live in miserably day after day after day, then you're not serving your purpose. And I don't care if this, that means being the president or that means you're cleaning the streets. It does not matter to me because I believe we all have a purpose on this world and the in this world, we every single one of us. And if you love to clean someone's house and make their house just spotless, I love you too, because I love it when someone else cleans for me. You know, it's like, there is, 
It is about living in your joy and consciously living. And so your concern is really about your behavior and your response, not about someone else's. It's really about what you're willing to step into and willing to move through on a conscious level. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes, let's, let's face it, sometimes those values just don't match up. Exactly. And so if your values don't match up, why do you want to keep yourself miserable? Why do you want to keep yourself locked in that jail cell with the chains around your ankles and wrists and not moving anywhere? Why do you want to live miserably in this life when it's really pretty short? Like, if nothing else, my son's transition taught me every minute of every day matters and not one minute is it that I should be living it miserably? So I have started to live from my heart center, not from my head. And people, but I, I moved, I quit a well-paying job, a CEO position, knowing several people moved a thousand miles away and started a healing business, which logically, you're like, what the heck is wrong with this woman? She's gone off her rockers. But you know what? It's not about logic. It's about making my soul sing. Because if my soul is singing, then other people's souls are singing around me. Yeah, it's it's back to that contagious. I mean, you mentioned the downward yeah. spiral because that negative can build. But the same goes, it, it, there could be an upward spiral. I mean, you know, yeah. it, it can certainly be uplifting. You know, I, I think about when I left the corporate world myself, the change of my energy for what I was doing. I mean, you know, and, and I don't know that I knew it at the time, but back then I was going through a lot of motions and I was doing all right and certainly making a great salary. Friends of mine said, how could you walk away from that? How could, how could you right. do this? But today, you know, the passion for what I do is so much greater and it doesn't mean that every day is a great day. Not every day is a great no. day. I mean, you have, you, let's face it. Look, this is, this is the world. It's not perfect. But, but I'm much happier now. Yeah. I'm much, much happier. So what the, the difference is when you're consciously living instead of going through the motions, when you're consciously living, you sense in your body when something's not working for you. You're, you're quicker to catch that, you know what? This direction with this particular job or this particular partner isn't working the way I thought it was going to. So we have a right to change our minds. And that's where people get locked into this belief that, listen, I married someone because I thought I had, because I said, yes, I married the guy. I, I was late for my own wedding. I was crying at the altar. My dad even gave me the opportunity to walk a different direction. And I said, no, no, it's okay. I gave my word. So now I have to marry him. Like, Three months later, it didn't work. So my avoiding what truly my heart was telling me was was causing additional pain later on down the road. Yeah. So you're only you're you're just in that 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 spiral that when when you live in your consciousness and you listen to how your body responds and. If it doesn't mean that I make all the right choices, like you said, Chris, it doesn't mean that. Like there are days that are difficult. You know, even today, ten years later, I can miss my my son tremendously, and I allow myself to cry. I was listening to the Celestine prophecy the other day, and uh, oh no, it wasn't Cel. It was a different book. I was listening to another book about um, spirituality and energy and still being here. And it was about their boy transitioning. And I just broke, broke down and cried, but you know what? I allowed those emotions to move through me. And that's the key. That's another key, but that's the key is instead of avoiding or pushing down the emotions, feel through those emotions. Because when you avoid anger, when you avoid, um, sadness, when you avoid, um, pain you're only it it holds you in that choker and eventually it comes out in one form or another so you move through those emotions so where you can actually make a better decision no matter what that is yeah that's again powerful stuff and, and it's a choice to make um, sometimes the uncomfortable choice you know, yeah. uh, I, I just, I've known too many people. I, I've coached, you know, early on when I was doing more one-on-one -on -one coaching, I, how many people I came across that it was obviously they needed to make a change, but they were so stuck in their model 
They were so stuck mm-hmm. in the story that they couldn't rewrite it. They were so stuck in their right. comfort zone. Uh, one, one guy I knew who was just, you know, just miserable with his career um, couldn't leave it because he had this model that there was no way he could provide for his family otherwise. And so his, his goal was to make it to retirement. And he was young. And I think that what a horrible place to be. I can tell you, I would say 90% of those that I've worked with um, have been stuck in that pattern, not because they consciously want to do that, but because they've been programmed from a very young age. We respond to the world on how we were taught from the age of zero to eight years old. So whatever program, whatever, you know, we think is a trauma, whether we cried too long in the, in the crib or you got beaten, um, or we create a program in our bodies from zero to eight years old. And that's how we respond to the world. So if that person um, experienced um, a lack of financial security when he, when he was zero to eight years old, he created a program in his brain that he had to stay in a certain space because that's the only way he could provide for his family. So I think that's what's different about my coaching is that I actually have techniques and tools and resources that that I assist people through to get rid of those programs, to reprogram their brain, to to help them live a life that they really want to enjoy. And, you know, and, and so I appreciate all of that. And, and sometimes people, for whatever reason, don't make the choice, don't have the time, don't have the, the, the dollars and funds to maybe go and pursue a, a coach directly or, or, or give you a call. And yet you've, you've written this really powerful book that's going to help people through some things. I, and I want to make sure while we've got a couple minutes left, we highlight this yeah. because I think it's, it's wonderful. Uh, what, what's the title of the book? So the title of the book is called Shattered Together, A Mother's Journey from Grief to Belief. And it's a guide to help you through sudden loss. Now, it's a story, so it's a little memoir, a little self-help, and a little inspiration. And the story is really about how I went through 10 years of my healing journey um, after Logan's suicide and went from being completely shattered to being um, connected and full, living a fulfilled, joyous life and helping others to do the same. And... Well, the story itself is about that. It is really a story about how no matter what your experience is, whether it's a divorce, a job loss, uh, financial insecurity, uh, a a diagnosis, um, a death of a parent, um, whatever it is, you can use the tools in, in the book because each chapter has a practice that I end the chapter with that that people can use in their day to day life to help shift where they are today to where they can be a year from now or three days from now. Would you, uh, would you mind sharing an example of a practice? Sure. One of them is the, the, um, the, excuse me, the um, grief prescription. Yeah. Another um, is the gratitude and another is journaling. I mean, just those are just three basic ones. And the fourth is being in nature. So I have a daily practice. I have a daily practice, and my daily practice has shifted throughout the last 10 years. Um, but my, and my daily practice starts with gratitude, meditation, um, affirmations. Um, uh, there's a little uh, prayer saying that, that I do, a, a daily intention exercise, and then I go to work. Excellent, um, excellent. And, and, you know, let, so let me ask you one of the questions on that. Um, you know, journaling. So I, I have heard about journaling ever, ever since I, I embarked on my path, you know, you know, mm-hmm. left the corporate world. I actually hired a coach for a while to kind of figure some things out for myself. Um, and, and it was powerful and journaling is, is, I think it's a hard discipline for some of us. I'm, you know, I'm a bit ADD, so it's hard to stay on the habit of it yet. It can be very, very powerful. Um, do you have any advice to, to somebody on how to one get started? What, Two, what, what actually to journal? And three, how do, you, how do you maintain a habit on it? Okay. So journaling doesn't have to be a habit. So I love that you asked the question. Journaling, uh, for me, when I first started journaling, it was at the very beginning of Logan. And 
I was angry. I was angry at the world. I was angry at whatever took my son. I was angry at his father and my parents. And I was angry at everybody, but mostly I was angry at myself. So I have what I um, started was a, a, well, it's a journal that I started with. I just started writing out my anger. And I wrote out that anger. I would just take time to just write it. Don't go back and reread it. Don't worry about your your spelling. Don't worry about the words you put in there. And don't worry about who you criticize in it because you write out everything you can write out for as long as you can. Rip those papers out. Rip them up. Put them in a safe space that where you can burn it in a, in a, in a container that you can burn. Take it outside where in a safe space burn it, and then say, I release you to the universe with love. You are getting out that anger that's stuck inside you, that you mask, that you shove down, that you cause your disease, disease in your body. You're getting it out on paper and you're letting it go. It's no longer there. And if you still have more, do it again. So you don't have to do it every day. I used it as a tool to get rid of some anger because I... I was taught as a child that anger wasn't a safe way to get out my my feelings. And so I have not always done that in a healthy way. And so that was just one quick tool that you can use that anybody can use on anything. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be anger. I mean, you you, know, you don't have to burn it, but but it is a way of getting things out of your mind. I've certainly used it, for instance. So I, it's just, you know, I think of something in the middle of the night, and I'll, I'll journal it at that moment, and it just I can sleep mm-hmm. better if it's out of my head sometimes. So I think that there's lots of opportunities there. We are... We're, we're, we're out of time. I mean, we, we've already come to the end, and, um, and, and I feel like there's still 20 questions to, to ask on this. Uh, but... Folks, a lot of those questions can get answered, you know, um, in her book um, through Kathleen, you know, directly. Uh, if, if you want to connect with her, you know, certainly you know, you're welcome to send me a note through the Voice America um, page. There's, there's, there's a, a link. Um, Kathleen can be found online. Kathleen's book is available on Amazon and uh, soon to yes. be, well, it's, it's both, both a, a paperback and um, uh, well, I don't know if there's a hard Kindle. There's yeah, Kindle there's hard, yeah, yeah. Kindle paperback. I'm doing the Audible now, and you can get it also an autographed copy on my website at kathleenl.com, and that is c a t h l e e n e l l e dot com. Excellent. Thank you so much for that, Kathleen. And um, you know, I look forward to, to talking with you. Maybe we'll have another opportunity in the future. Um, everyone, I'm glad that you were, had joined us today. Um, topic uh, both both heavy and uplifting. Uh, opportunity to to look and move forward. Um, opportunity to kind of self analyze, be self aware. There's there's just all kinds of good stuff that we can do here. So, Kathleen, thank you again for for being with me today. Thank you so much, Chris. And just one parting word is like you can choose to live a story of pain or you can choose to live a life, a journey of healing. Your choice. Thank you. And, and with that, uh, there's, I don't, there's nothing else to say. So thanks again, everyone. And um, I look forward to having you all with me on our next program. Take care. Thank you for joining Chris Elias for this week's edition of Transformative Experts. We hope you'll tune in again next Monday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a good week.